hopefully uh, on your way in today. You may have gotten a, a bit of these brightly colored, kind of attractive, and uh, smell good, look good, and they even sound good in the glass container, don't they? But uh, they're sugar-coated. And inside, if you squeeze them, there's this dark stuff. And if you eat too much, it clogs your arteries and kills your heart. It's kind of what, uh, kind of what sin does, isn't it? It looks good. A lot of people think that it's uh, attractive looking on the outside. But at its core, that darkness will clog your soul and kill your heart. And as we continue our weird tales today, we're going to talk about a couple who would have benefited from Paul's message last week if they would invest in time wrestling with God. Maybe they wouldn't have ended up where they ended up. There's a problem, I think, it's a problem, I think, in our lives because we're here predominantly as Christians. So if you're on the live feed today and this is all brand new to you, I'm sorry. Because I'm speaking mostly today to myself and all y'all who are in the same spot. And I think when it comes to sin, we don't sugarcoat the big stuff. I mean, when it comes to, let's go with sexual sins, adultery, fornication, homosexuality. Man, we're all on board on that, right? One man, one woman, we'll post it on Facebook. It's out there. We, we call big sin, big sin. Hell is, sin is sin, hell is hot, and forever is a long, long time, right? And if it's murder, if it's abortion, we'll post that on Facebook. Because sin is sin, and hell is hot. And forever is a long, long time. But when it comes to old Mrs. Johnson, well, she's not a sinner. She just embellishes the truth, right? I mean, Fred, Fred Miller, I mean, he's not a, a sinner. He just likes to share information. And bonus points if Fred can turn it into a prayer request. Hey, Martha, this is Fred. Yeah. Uh, I'd like for you to pray for Susie McGillicuddy because, man, it looks like she's hooked up with another loser. And I think she's drinking again, too. I saw them both go into Main Street Pub. Well, yeah, I know they serve food, but her history doesn't take a lot of logic to figure out what she was doing. Yeah, I want you to pray for him. She was there for three hours. How do I know? I, I kept circling. Sin is sin, hell is hot, 
and forever is a long time. And when we're talking about the people out there, we seem good with that. But when we're talking about our own sins and our own failings, we call them problems. We call them issues. Aquila and Priscilla, I, that's a weird story. I mean, what did they do? You know the jingle, by the way? We sing this at a church camp. I won't sing it, but I'll go through the words. Ananias and Sapphira got together to conspire to plot to cheat the church and what was wrong. They knew God's power, didn't fear it, tried to cheat the Holy Spirit. Peter prophesied that they both dropped dead. Ooh. And you got to end with the ooh, right? That is a weird jingle for a very weird story in the Bible. Because we look at this on the surface and we say, what's the big deal? I mean, they sold a piece of property and they gave most, some of the money to the poor, to those who were needy. What did they do that deserved to die? Sin. Here's the, uh, oh yeah, here's the, here's the story for those of you who don't know it. Now a man named Ananias together with his wife, oh, it's been five minutes. And believe it or not, worldwide, 533 people died. Most of them without knowing Christ. There's a problem with the story of Ananias and Sapphira because the early church was adding to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. And their focus was on the lost. And their focus was on reaching the lost. And Ananias and Sapphira, they diverted that attention from the lost to themselves. And then they Ananias together with his wife Sapphira also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and had kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold, and after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. You knew that was coming because of the jingle. But. And great fear seized all who heard. Yeah, I'm sure it did. Come join our church. Two out of three dropped dead. <laughs> all who heard what had happened. Then some young man came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out to bury him. Three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, tell me, is this the prize you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that's the prize. And Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died, and when the young man came in, finding her dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church, and all who heard about these events. Yeah, I guess so. Because here's the deal. Sin is sin. And hell is hot. And forever is a long, long time. And most 
most of the scripture tries to help us not differentiate among ourselves what's a big sin. James 2.11 says, whoever wants to follow the law and breaks it in one part, he's guilty of the whole thing. Whoever says don't commit adultery says also don't murder. It's all the same. Somebody uh, shared this with Cheryl Smith. She said it's kind of like walking through the streets of Chicago. Because we're looking at it from the ground level and we look at it and we see all these big buildings. And there's big buildings and little buildings and skyscrapers and churches and all different sizes. But from God's perspective, flying over in an airplane, I can't tell how big any of those buildings are. Because they all look the same. Sin is sin. Hell is hot. And forever is a long, long time. And that's not a message just for the lost. It's a message for us that we need to be aware of our behavior. Fair? So Ananias and Sapphira. In Acts, the fourth chapter, here's what was so grievous, I believe. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought that money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So what were Ananias and Sapphira looking for? They were looking for respect. They were looking for honor. They were looking to be thought of as the same level as Barnabas, who got a nickname for being a good guy, a Christian guy. And that's what they wanted. They just didn't want to have to sacrifice for it. They didn't want to have to give it all. And so we have, um, I think we have this warped perspective. Throughout scripture, Jesus called out the scribes and Pharisees, by the way. It's been 10 minutes and 1,066 people around the world have died. Most of them outside of Christ. Jesus, throughout Scripture, largely criticized one group of people. You know who they were? Sunday school answer? The Pharisees, yeah. And we have this idea that they were bad people, right? They were evil. Everybody knew it. Nobody liked them, right? But here's who your Pharisees were. And, and I warned him. Scott, stand up for a minute. <laughs> Jack Irwin's out in the parking lot. And, and I'm your third elder. That's who the Pharisees were. They were the spiritual leaders of the church. Does that change our perspective? Where are my deacons? Eric. Stand up. Good. It's fine. Nobody can see you anyway. You're in the back. Well, and Brad's teaching, which is good. All right. And then, and then there's fine. Make Paul stand up too. Go ahead. Get just for Paul's your minister. These are the spiritual. These were the scribes and Pharisees, guys, for the most part. That Jesus called out time after time after time. Okay, you you can sit there. We get the idea. Sorry, sorry, I know I made Eric uncomfortable. 
That's why Jack's out in the parking lot. No, that's not why Jack's out in the parking lot. You know why Jack's out in the parking lot? Because he cares about people. Because Jack's out in the parking lot because there are people who drive into our parking lot and listen to the service on the radio, and he connects with every single person who does that. Good for him. I need to be better. This whole message, by the way, if you're standing where I am, maybe that's a good thing because I'm preaching this message for me because this was very painful. I need to be better. The core of this message is I need to be better, a better Christian, a better person. I need to be kinder. I need to encourage the people around me. I need to support the people that I work with because most of them know that I'm a Christian and I need to speak into their lives so that I can make a difference not for me, but for Christ. And if you're standing where I am, where you need to make those same changes, then this message is for you because I didn't like looking through it. So Jesus begins all of his messages to the, I mean, almost all the messages to the Pharisees are the same. Matthew 12, 33. If you want good fruit, you must make the tree good. And if the tree is good, it will. Uh, if the tree is not good, it will, ha- not, it will have bad fruit. The tree is known by the kind of fruit it produces. You snakes. King James, I think, says brood of vipers. I have read right through this passage I don't know how many times. I caught the fact that Jesus was calling the Pharisees snakes. And I realized even at some level that snakes were unclean. I get that. But Eve was tempted by Satan in the form of a serpent. And Jewish mind always goes back to the initial reference. So Jesus was basically saying to the Pharisees, you are spawn of Satan. Ow. Wouldn't sit well with me, would it you, Scott? Spiritual leaders? What, I would I would like, what do you mean? I'm wounded. I'm not, I'm not evil. Don't associate me with Satan. But they looked right past their own sin into the sin of others. Let's turn this around a little bit. How did Jesus reach out to all the lost people that he encountered? You remember the story of the woman at the well? I realized this week, there's, there were a ton of things as I went through this that I realized maybe for the first time. Jesus gave the woman at the well something that no one else in town gave her. By the way, 15 minutes and 1,599 people have died. Most of them outside of Christ. So Jesus walks up to this well in Samaria. And there is this woman sitting there. And all the disciples have gone on to town. And he is sitting there. And he gives her something very special. Anyone? His attention. This woman, no one ever looked her in the eyes. Oh, she got looks. Trust me. 
She got looks from people in town, but they were always like this. No one ever looked her in the eye. No one ever began a conversation with her. The reason why, and I've heard this a million times and so have you, the reason why she went to the well at noon to draw water is why? Everybody goes, all the women went in the morning while it was still cool out and they carried their jugs and they dipped them in the cool water and they walked back to the city before it got hot. She came at noon. Why did she do that? Because when the women get together, they're all talking. And guess who they're talking about? Her. I'm guessing. More often than not. You've had seven husbands and the one you're with now is not your husband. Jesus gets to the point where he confronts her, but he doesn't start there. He doesn't walk up to the well and say, don't you know you're going to hell? He begins a conversation by looking her in the eye and beginning a real conversation about her and where she is. I question whether I do that at work. All those people that I manage and I, 20-some people that I work with, all of whom know I'm supposed to be a Christian, do I show them that grace? Do I engage them and encourage them? Do I begin those conversations in a place of love and compassion? I, I, I'm guessing not, or I probably wouldn't have been here. My, my second story that you're all familiar with is this. Um, we have totally forgotten. Let me back up a second. By the way, the woman at the well, it didn't mean that Jesus didn't eventually get there. Right? Yeah, go bring your husband to me, whatever. Yeah, if you would have asked me, I would have given you water for eternal life. He got there. He just didn't start there. He talked about the things in her life that was preventing her from coming into a relationship with God. But he started by beginning a conversation. Rich young ruler asked a story, asked Jesus a question. He says, what do I do to inherit eternal life? What do I do to live forever? And he tells a story. You know what the story is? Randy, you're just too tall. You're just like right there. Randy is walking on the road and he falls among thieves and they beat him up. And Scott Dunphy and Jack Dowden and Jack Irwin are on their way to an elders meeting because we're good people. And we see Randy and we go, hey, look, it's Randy. I wonder if there's anybody else out here. And we cross by on the other side, right? And uh, Arnold Kemp, why not? Because, you know, you're tall enough. I can. And the only other person in front of you was Scott, so as far as this angle. Uh, Arnold gets beat up. He's laying beside the road. He's, they pulled him out of his truck, and, uh, you know, he's, he's bleeding and whatever. It's been 20 minutes. 2,132 people have died. Most of them without Christ. Arnold's beat up and bloody. And Eric, 
and Mark. You're not hiding from me, Mark. And uh, who else did I pick out? And Bill, treasurer. I think there was somebody else. But anyhow, so they're walking uh, to a trustees meeting, a deacons meeting. They're trying to figure out finances for the church. They're doing great things. And they see Arnold and they go, hey, look, it's Arnold. Yeah, well, maybe there's still some thieves around. And they walk by on the other side. All the people who should have stopped, all the good people who should have stopped for him, didn't stop. And, and Matt, you're right in front. God bless you, brother, because you are down front every week. And I need somebody besides Scott. to. So Matt Gilligan is beat up, and he's laying alongside of the road, and he's cut, and he's bleeding. And in our story, if we bring it up to current day, who stops and helps? What? And worse than that, I think. Well, different than that. Yes, a non-Christian. I think the closest comparison we could make would be a Muslim. Because the Samaritan had a faith. It was just vastly different. Right? It was vastly different than the rich young ruler's faith. They were despised. They were not thought well of, maybe for some of the same reasons. They were, you know, we would probably think of some Muslims at least as not being good people. I don't, I don't know. And we categorize them all in one blanket thing. But they stop and they help Matt. They put him in Arnold's truck and they, <laughs> they drive him to the hospital and they take care of Matt. Someone who has no reason to do that. And here's how detestable the Samaritans were to the Jews, because here's the story. Jesus says, which of them do you suppose acted as a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And you know what he says? He doesn't say the Samaritan. He can't bring himself to say that, I think. He says, I guess, he who showed mercy. Go and do likewise. We are supposed to be people of compassion who care about the lost and who care about the hurting. And I probably totally lost any semblance of notes, but I look at this early church and I see them focused on the lost. They were added to their numbers day by day, those who were being saved. And I see Ananias and Sapphira coming in, trying to divert the attention to themselves, to what others think, to worldly wealth. They wanted everyone in the church to think well of them, and at the same time, they still wanted to hold on to everything the world had to offer. So here's my message, really, in its entirety. we got to stop sugarcoating our sin. Because James 4.17 says, To him who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. It's not enough that we struggle to try and not do bad things. But scripture tells us we have to be about doing good things. 
Anyone who knows the good thing to do and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. I think that there's a... Here's what's kind of funny. After all this happens with Ananias and Sapphira, they both drop dead and all that stuff. Acts 5.14 says this. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. What did the early church not lose sight of that we're here about the lost? It's been 25 minutes and over 2,600 people have died, most of them outside of Christ. I don't know where you are, but I need to focus more on the lost and the hurting. So I first started walking through, I, I'm going to say this and then I'll explain it. I hope this message makes you angry. Because as I was walking through this, I was angry. I didn't want to preach this. And then I became angry at myself. Because I'm not doing some of the things that I need to do to win the lost. And the 2,632 people who just died, God cares about them. We need to reach the people that we can reach. It's part of, if we know the right thing to do and don't do it, it's sin. We need to be doing the right things. More and more, we need to... We need to look for right things to do. Um, The elders are working through something right now to try and make it easier for y'all all of us all of us to do something about the lost and so I, I'm just going to challenge you we'll talk more about it down the road but I want to challenge you to make a list of five people that you know friends family your server at the restaurant You know, um, I wish Carl were here, but I know he's home with Stephanie. Um, Carl and I have breakfast all the time, and there was a lady there who waited on us for years, and she knew we were Christians, and uh, one day she came to us and said, I know you guys um, guys pray every day before your meal, so what I was hoping is that would you pray for, my my husband's just been diagnosed with uh, a brain condition. And could you pray for him? Don't think that people around you don't know who you are and what you're about. And you bear the name of Christ. So that should mean something. It should mean something to you and it should mean something to all the people around you. And we have opportunities every day to witness to people. And it starts just make a list, make a list of five people friends, family servers at a restaurant, whoever they are make a list of five people with this idea pray for them every day co-workers, whoever they are 
pray for them every day. And then begin to change your prayer so that God will grant you opportunities to speak into their life, to do what Jesus did and to make eye contact with that woman at the well and to say, initially, I care about you. And what's more, I have waters of life that don't come from me, but they come from another source. And let me tell you about it. I pray that you'll challenge yourself as I'm going to challenge myself to be someone who looks for the lost and who looks for opportunities to do the right thing and not turn away. If you accept that challenge, come on down. We sing sing the song. Wherever place you are, if you have a need in your life, come forward as we stand and sing. Oh,